China prepares for war with the West in some not-so-subtle ways, while top military personnel casually mention that our weapons stockpiles are, quote, dangerously low, close quote, and our former Assistant Secretary of Defense laments that the military needs to offer free abortions or otherwise women just won't sign up. In Russia, Putin threatens to starve half the world as he withdraws from the Ukrainian grain deal this week. And North Korea is ready to launch nukes at the United States. Again. Meanwhile, on the domestic front, China may lose one of its key intelligence operators in the United States as Joe Biden faces a bombshell release of whistleblower allegations detailing his involvement in a corruption scheme with crack addict super loser Hunter Biden. Elsewhere in our collapsing government of whores and thieves, Senator Chris Murphy decides to tackle our nation's growing mental health crisis with the one thing that is proven to reduce depression and anxiety, increasing government bureaucracy. Plus, Mayor Eric Adams releases flyers at our nation's southern border to discourage migrants from coming to New York City. But unfortunately, due to the language barrier, migrants have mistaken these flyers for invites to Mayor Adams' dinner party next Thursday. Finally, once again demonstrating that there is absolutely no link to transgenderism and child rape, a story broke this week revealing that this nation's first openly transgender lawmaker was charged with child rape. But don't worry, America. We have our priorities straight because now a majority of young voters think it should be a crime to misgender someone. Bringing you the facts from my newly minted apocalyptic bunker, I'm Eric Yanis, producing another episode of history's greatest podcast, The Eric Yanis Show. Good evening, and welcome back. Now, most of us are living our normal lives, sleeping soundly in the knowledge that President Biden, what with his decades of military experience and erudite mind, has this nation wrapped in a warm blanket of safety. Still, there are some in America who would question whether blindly antagonizing the world's greatest nuclear power and pushing its neurotic dictator into the ever-growing warm embrace of China, all for the sake of defending a strategically meaningless non-allied nation, which just last year was considered the most corrupt on earth. Whether that is the best path to American security. These people are increasingly worried that conflict with China and its allies, possibly even Russia, could be on the rise. Unfortunately for us NPR-watching educated voters, these fringe alt-right theorists are gaining credibility this week as stories abound of the threat of nuclear action by North Korea. Al Jazeera reports, quote, For the first time since the 1980s, the United States has deployed a nuclear-armed ballistic missile submarine to South Korea as allies launch talks to coordinate their response in the event of a nuclear war 
with North Korea. Close quote. North Korea, which tested a new advanced intercontinental ballistic missile last week designed to target the mainland United States, launched two missiles into the sea on the exact same day that the submarine docked in South Korea. By sheer coincidence, the distance that these missiles flew was the exact distance from Pyongyang and the South Korean port city of Busan, where the submarine is docked. Nuclear tensions are on the rise with North Korea for the first time since President Orange Man Bad managed, through sheer dumb luck of course, to de-escalate North Korean nuclear operations. Not to worry though, everyone knows that North Korea would never go to war without the say-so from China. And clearly, China is in no place to challenge the United States. In other news, Professor Edward Lutvik of the Hoover Institute released an essay this week highlighting China's preparation for war with the United States. Unheard.com reports, quote, In a sinister reversion to the very worst days of Mao's rule, Communist Party officials across China are blindly obeying orders to rapidly increase the supply of arable land by any means possible. The official aim is straightforward, to grow more grain. In reality, however, China produces more than enough rice, wheat, and maize to feed its human population. So why the sudden rush? Xi Jinping, it seems, is preparing for war. Close quote. The article continues to elaborate on how the Chinese Communist Party is rapidly deforesting acres of land in order to plant cheap cereals and grain. Given that China's imports of soya beans, wheat, and cereals from the United States, along with income from its exports, allow the country to afford more than enough food for its population, Professor Lutwek, an expert in military strategy and geopolitics, concludes that Xi Jinping expects these imports to stop in the near future, a phenomenon that is only likely to occur as a result of a war with the United States or its allies. Now, folks, some of the feeble minds on the right of the political spectrum have suggested, without any evidence, that we as a nation are closer to war with major powers than we have ever been since the days of the Cold War. But consider if that's really true. If the United States was really expecting conflict with China, Russia, and their allies, then wouldn't the president be taking some actions to prepare for this? Wouldn't we see things like, I don't know, sending reservist troops to Eastern Europe or something like sending naval ships to South Korea to defend against North Korea and possibly bolster the South Chinese Sea? Wouldn't we expect top military personnel at the Pentagon to say things like, quote, war with China is inevitable in the next five years, close quote? Wouldn't we hear these same top generals urging us to increase weapon stockpiling for a prolonged fight with Russia and China? And these things have only just happened. So I submit there's nothing to worry about. There's no need to buy emergency food supplies or elect a president who can stay awake through an entire sentence. Instead, 
Let's rejoice in the new normal and relish in the national security that Biden has provided for us, safe in the knowledge that if we do go to war in the coming months, we can expect the same strong leadership he has given to us in all aspects of his presidency. That leadership may be in jeopardy, however, as earlier this week, two IRS whistleblowers revealed what most of us already knew. The Bidens took in $17 million in corruption bribes from Ukrainian oligarch Mykola Zlochevsky, CEO of the Burisma Energy Company, where Hunter Biden served on the board. According to their testimony, Zlochevsky paid the Biden family upwards of $17 million in exchange for protection from Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin, who was investigating Burisma back in 2014. An FBI document released by Senator Chuck Grassley on Thursday, which contained information provided by a confidential informant working with the FBI in 2014, confirmed the story of the two IRS whistleblowers. In the FBI document, Zlochevsky told the informant that he had paid more than $10 million to both Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, and although he thought Hunter was, quote, stupid and my dog is smarter, close quote, he said he needed to keep Hunter on the board in order to gain then-Vice President Joe Biden's protection. By a strange coincidence, Biden is infamous for being on tape telling the world the story of how he actually did quell that Burisma investigation by Shokin. In light of this critical information that has been available for years, and which several people have literally authored books about, suddenly the impetus to impeach our great president is growing. Of course, however, we at the Eric Yana Show know that all of this is just a giant load of crap. Let's remember that Trump's own Department of Justice investigated the claims of this document and found, quote, insufficient evidence to warrant a further investigation, close quote. And who cares if these two IRS agents, one a registered Democrat, were the agents running the investigation on Hunter Biden's corruption charges back in 2014? Their testimony obviously can't count for evidence of anything. So what if the former FBI Assistant Director of Intelligence, Kevin Brock, has already explained how the information in the FBI documents meets standards to, quote, warrant a full-field criminal investigation, no doubt, close quote? What does he know? Congress, that body of people who aren't in law enforcement, currently run by the president being accused, have claimed to have thoroughly investigated these spurious allegations back when they tried their president's greatest political opponent in 2019. Clearly, the issue is settled. In other domestic news, Senator Chris Murphy has announced on Twitter that he is introducing a, quote, groundbreaking bill, the National Strategy for Social Connection Act, close quote. The goal of this bill? To address the epidemic of loneliness, and social isolation in the United States. That's right. 
Senator Murphy wants to establish an office in the executive branch of the federal government with the task of ending loneliness through the socially uplifting institutions of government control, greater taxation, and increased bureaucracy. You know how you always feel happier after a trip to the DMV? Well, now you'll be able to go to an office just like that without needing an excuse. I, for one, think this is exactly what we need right now. And it's a good sign of things to come. Since we know that government bureaucracy can solve whatever problem it's set out to solve, just imagine what could be accomplished if we get those pesky classical liberals out of the way. The Office for Ending Being Fat. The Task Force Against Getting Tired. The Bureau for Finding Meaning in Life. The Department of Salvation and Godliness. The Commission for Eradicating Negative Thinking. It's such a beautiful picture, and I'm sure we'll get it right after the government insures all of our investments from losses and secures all of our incomes for the future. Meanwhile, in New York, city mayor and man we could have sworn seemed smarter in his campaign, Eric Adams, is sending flyers to the southern border to, quote, discourage migrants from coming to New York. Apparently, New York City has continued its descent into, quote, humanitarian crisis, close quote, as migrants consume a staggering number of the city's resources. Migrant centers are beyond full capacity, and as such, Mayor Adams, leader of the so-called sanctuary city, has decided to (gasps) prevent Further migration to the city? These flyers distributed to migrants at the border seem to advertise the benefits of other great cities in the United States and mention how expensive it is to live in New York. We at the Eric Yana Show would like to suggest to Mayor Adams that perhaps he consider further discouraging migrants into the city by placing officers along the perimeter of the city to turn them away. And if that doesn't work, perhaps he should consider building a wall-like structure around the city to stop migrants from getting in. Anyways, as always, I'd like to include at least one story of how the transgender movement is totally normal and completely harmless. First, Let's start with a story that speaks for itself. Newsweek reports, misgendering should be a crime, according to millennials. From the article, quote, according to the survey by Redfield and Wilton Strategies, 44% of those aged 25 to 34 think referring to someone by the wrong gender pronoun should be a criminal offense versus just 31% who disagree, close quote. I think the article speaks for itself. Clearly, our culture is becoming more tolerant and more progressive than ever before. I mean, after all, when has imprisoning people for not using compelled speech ever gone wrong before? Meanwhile, the first openly transgender lawmaker in the United States is now facing federal charges in connection with the sexual exploitation of children at a Massachusetts 
daycare center. A teacher at the daycare center who assisted the lawmaker in obtaining sexual pictures of children has also been arrested, reports the post-millennial. In the press release, the Justice Department referred to man who thinks he isn't, Stacy Lawton, as, quote, a New Hampshire woman, close quote. Lawton, who, I just got to tell you folks, looks like the dictionary definition of crazy, creepy pedophile. I mean, honestly, if I ever saw this guy as a kid, he would haunt my dreams for decades. Anyways... He's charged with one count of sexual exploitation of children. Lindsay Groves, Lawton's ex-girlfriend, was the alleged teacher at the daycare who helped Lawton gather the images of children by using bathroom breaks to take photos of the children and send them to Lawton. There were over 2,500 text messages between Lawton and Groves obtained by the prosecution. These include sexually explicit photos of children ages three to five. In order to prevent you from vomiting in disgust, I will... In order to prevent you from projectile vomiting in disgust, I will spare you some of the other details of their text messages, but you can find the full story at thepostmillennial.com. Lawton and Groves each face up to 30 years in federal prison for their crimes, and as much as one eternity in the pits of hell when they die. May God have mercy on their souls, but at least there is no connection between Lawton being a transgender and his deviant sexualization of children. I know I'm convinced. Signing off from my underground bunker, where I watch the collapse of our decaying, morally bankrupt society as I sip on my martinis laced with cocaine. I'm Eric Giannis, wishing you a lovely weekend, and this has been another episode of The Eric Giannis Show. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.